This morning, if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, we're looking at God's wisdom again, uh, God's wisdom, what he shares with us. And um, as I go over this, I I struggle uh, because we don't care about wisdom. And when I say we, I'm talking about our culture, but I'm also talking about you and I'm also talking about me. Uh, many times I'm just trying to get through the day. Uh, many times my decisions are just made on what I want to do or what everyone else is doing. And rather thinking, am I following after God? Am I listening to his words? Am I following those who love him? And this morning, uh, we're going to look at one other area of wisdom and the, that's the area of friendship, the area of friendship. And I would even like to say partnership. And so uh, as we, uh, as I share that with you, I'd like to pray once again and just ask that God would direct our time. God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of it thus far, and just how sweet you are to meet with us this morning. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would not make us stubborn, but rather that uh, your word would fall on good soil that we might know you better and that you might direct our lives even this afternoon and into this week, Lord, that you would save us from many, many um, sins of ruin uh, that await us this week. God, thank you for this time, your grace, your patience with us. And we ask for your work now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Friends. Friends, as a former youth pastor, um, talked about this subject a gazillion times. And now as a parent, uh, I've talked about this subject a gazillion times. And it's easy to talk with young people and say, your friends matter. Your friends matter. It matters who you're hanging out with, who you're spending time with. And yet... I want to tell you this morning, I don't care if you're 95, it matters who you spend time with. It matters who are your closest companions of life. It matters who you're listening to and who you're taking your cues from. And most of us would begin to argue right away. We'd say, no, friends are just friends. Friends are just friends. They're just people we spend time with. If I would ask you to list out your friends, most of you would uh, talk about some people that you've known and you spend time with on a weekly basis. But others of you would say, uh, you know, this is my friend. I met them in fourth grade and we've all just always been together. We've just always been friends. And this morning, I, I want to remind you that the book of Proverbs was written from the richest man in the world, the wisest man in the world, the one who had it all. And he was instructing his son to choose good friends. He was instructing him of the danger of having poor friends or bad friends. You think about that and... Um, Even the Proverbs, we'll look at particularly one, but um, rich people have more friends than poor people do. You know why? You do know why, don't you? 
They eat better. They have nicer houses. They have pools. They have pools. It's good to have a friend with a nice pool. You know, they have nice cars to ride in that don't break down. Uh, they, they, they live in luxury. And there's a sense where all of us desire to have that luxury. And so people who have wealth have friends. And so Solomon's son, his children, they could have had any friends they wanted. They weren't limited like most of us have been limited. People who will hang out with us, you know. Um, and so Solomon was instructing his son, you need to choose wisely. You, need, you don't need anybody. It's not a sense where his son needed someone to network with for his career choices for the future. He didn't need that. He didn't need someone uh, because he really enjoyed some recreation that would pay for him to go. He could pay for anything he wanted to. Everyone was clamoring probably for his son's attention. But he instructed him, you need to choose wisely, even though anyone would be your friend. Some of us struggle this morning uh, saying, you know what, I don't need any friends. I don't need any friends. I don't have any needs. You know, I I just whenever, uh, you know, I have a relationship with God and that's all I need. I don't need people. I work best alone. Oh, you mean you're stubborn and hard to work with. Uh, Friends are a given in the scripture. They're a given. And not just a given, but uh, something even as uh, in the New Testament, we see the church coming together, that he put us together, that we might be with one another, that we might fulfill his God-designed role uh, here in this life. We need friends. And it's real simple, uh, just as we begin this morning, is that we walk with Jesus. We are a friend of His. We uh, don't deserve to be His friend, but He calls us to walk with Him, to go through life. And then we should walk with those who follow Jesus. It's real simple. Um, It's not something that... uh, You need to overthink, but you walk with Jesus and you walk with those who follow after Jesus. In the book of Proverbs, um, it says something kind of unique. And I want to share with you a few verses about the idea of companionship, companionship. And the idea of companionship is just someone who hangs around with you while you're doing things in life. And one of the great warnings for Solomon's son, as God inspired Solomon to write these things and then to compile them and then to hand them down. And as we get them there this morning, he talks to us about the idea of companionship. If you want to turn over in your Bibles to chapter 13, verse 20 of the book of Proverbs, we see uh, one of the companionship verses. And If you think about this, I I want you to think about this. It's just better to be with someone. It's just better to be with someone. And some of us get this idea that we're just, oh, we're lonely, or we're bored, or we feel like someone should be around just to spend time. And so we're willing to grab anyone uh, and to spend time with them. 
In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, this is what God's Word says. I'm sorry, verse 20. I always makes a pastor fearful when he reads a verse and it's not what he thinks it says. It's like they moved it in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. God's Word says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Companion of fools suffers harm. Though whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. We already talked about that. The, the picture of you want to walk or to live with those who are walking in wisdom. But to just grab a companion uh, that's a fool, what will happen to your life? You suffer harm. That's what will happen. It will be the character of your life. It's not something that's no big deal. You remember telling your parents, don't you? They're, we're just friends. It's not a big deal. We sit next to each other. We eat lunch. We talk on the phone. We, we text. You, you, most of you didn't say we text because, anyways, um, the rotary dial thing didn't text, you know. Um, anyways, the companion of fools, the companion of fools, to, to look and to, to look through our friend group, the people that we spend time with, and say, are they a fool? Because if they are a fool and we choose to spend time with them, God's word says this, we will suffer harm. Uh, can I get a testimony of this? We all have them, don't we? We all have them. I, I didn't necessarily want to do this. I wasn't thinking about doing this. I just was hanging out. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I started talking this way. I started participating. The cops rolled up and I was just standing there looking dumb. Companion of fools. If you are, if you have these companions that are fools, guess what? It's only a matter of time till you suffer harm. Solomon was sharing with his son and his son had all the opportunities in the world. And it wasn't like he couldn't get out of financial stress and like he had, he had people at his servants and all these other things. But he says, look, son, if you're a companion of fools, you will suffer harm. Most of the time when we think of this picture, we think that we're somehow um, separate from. We can be a companion of fools. We can be with them. And there's somehow this separation that their stuff won't get on us and us, we won't get on them. We can stay separate. It's not true. It's not true. If you run in the foolish crowd, if you spend time with foolish people, you will suffer harm. I think we all have uh, examples of that. If you look over in uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 3, it talks again about this idea of companionship, who you spend time with. And another warning, uh, Proverbs typically talks in the positive and the negative. And we're uh, pointing out that these companions are on the negative side, right? This is not necessarily friendship. It's the idea of spending or wasting time. 
Chapter 29, verse 3 says this, He who loves wisdom makes his father glad. But a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. You look at that and you go, prostitutes? How did we get from just hanging out to prostitutes? The picture here is that of the filth of this world. Of hanging out in situations with those who are immoral and are willing to do whatever just to do it. It's the idea of momentary pleasure. And he connects this, this idea that we would be companions of those who are willing to do those things. Guess what happens to our wealth? It leaves. It's gone. Poverty comes upon those who are willing to hang with the crowd that will do anything. As we look at this, um, we sometimes look at immorality and, and we say, it's, well, it's no big deal. It's just part of our culture. You know, it's, it, you know, before you're married, it's not like it's infidelity in marriage. And he's like, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Solomon looks at his son who has more than enough wealth. And Solomon, being one that has made his own sinful choices, he looks at his son and he says, Look, to hang with this crowd, your wealth, though it be great, will be squandered. It will, it will sprout wings. It will get out of here. Why? Because that's what happens when you choose these companions. The third passage where he speaks of this idea of companionship is in chapter 28, verse 7, chapter back. And, and I want to I tell you, I just want to warn you that just spending time, just wasting an afternoon, just because uh, just you're lonely, grabbing someone to be with, it's unwise. It's dangerous. Chapter 28, verse uh, Verse 7 says this. It says this, The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Once again, it's another choice. It's another thing. The idea of gluttony is the, the idea of overeating, but it's the idea also of just... No control of grabbing whatever you want and saying, this is what I want. I don't care about whether it's enough or just grabbing and eating. And what does he say? The one who is a companion of those, the one who sins in those ways, guess what? Brings shame, brings shame. I want to tell you that our companions have an impact on our life. The people we spend time with, it, it has repercussions. We see the first thing was suffering and the idea of poverty and now the idea of shame. This is what happens when you choose to be companions with those who are not wise. It happens. And you can label these all friends we don't need. Friends, we don't need. We don't need to spend time with them. We should limit our time with them. I want to tell you that uh, all of us bump into these people in our lives. All of us are even called to reach these people with the gospel. But the idea of wasting time with them 
or of sharing life with them should be limited. Should be limited. Because it's dangerous. And it's not just dangerous for our youth. It is dangerous for them. But it's dangerous for us as well. As we move on, uh, let's go to friends we can't live without. We can't live without these people. We need them in our lives. In chapter 27, verse 9. And I want to tell you, um, I think all of us, all of us understand the value of a friend and that we, we love our friends. We love spending time with them. But it's, in, in the case of Proverbs, it's much greater than that. It's the idea that they impact our lives, that they change us, that they, they fulfill a role that, that we need desperately. And these are, should be friends we can't live without. And I want to tell you, it's different than just companionship. It's different. Uh, why are you friends with this person? Oh, we like to drink coffee together. Great. I love coffee. I enjoy a good cup of coffee. I enjoy sitting down and enjoying the time of conversation. But what we're going to see in the friendship of the book of Proverbs is that those times that we would spend together sharing life, we would be changed. We would be changed. And that they would fulfill a role that we desperately need in our lives. Chapter 27, verse 9. God's Word says this, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Oil and perfume, it's the idea, you know, especially of living in a culture where they didn't have showers and running water. There was a sense of, uh, of luxury and, and goodness that would come to someone's life from oil and perfume. And wealth and luxury and being taken care of. And this proverb connects that riches that are found, connects it with a friend the sweetness of a friend who would come and give you earnest counsel. That someone would come and would care about you. And they would input in your life because they cared about you. Because they loved you. You look at that and you say, well, that's hard to find. Most people are are more than willing to give you advice. More than willing to pop off about what you're doing wrong in your life. You know, you think about that and you, you share something and sometimes people will quickly say, well, yeah, of course your life isn't working out. <laughs> of course, if you wouldn't be so dumb and do these dumb things over and over again. And this is what I think you should do. And then they walk away and they care little for you. The picture here is of a sweet friend whose heart is breaking for you, whose heart is with you. And as they think, they struggle and they they wonder and they, they say to themselves, what is best for you? That's the picture uh, for us of what it is to have a friend, a friend who would share with you heartfelt advice. 
We need these people. We need them. Uh, I want to tell you, as you see this in a friend, you should treasure them. You should treasure them. You, You should acknowledge what they are. That is God's gift to me. And so as I I see this friend, I treat them carefully. Why? Because they're God's gift to me. And what they provide in my life, what they are to me, is something I can't replace. When it comes to money or time, this is important stuff in my life. Heartfelt advice. In chapter 22, verse 11, uh, we have another sweet, sweet passage that shares with us the identification of what a friend is that we need. Friends we can't live without. Chapter 22, verse 11. As I read this, uh, I've read over Proverbs before. It's not like this is a first reading for me. But this verse never never struck me as sweet as it has uh, this week. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 11 defines a friend and and gives us an identification of what it is. And listen to this. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Think about that. And it, it shows what's winsome in friendship. It shows what is attractive in a friend. And it has two things, two things. Purity of heart. Purity of heart. It's the idea that they are genuine, not defiled by this world. That they are not uh, hidden motives and perversion and uh, worked up about all these different things, polluted, if you will. That's the first thing, that they're pure, pure in heart. And the second one is gracious in speech. Gracious in speech. And as I read these, My first thought was, well, of course, well, of course, someone who speaks kindly, someone who doesn't rip people to shreds, someone who is not harsh with their words. That's the kind of people we want as friends. And and the picture here is they will have kings as friends. Why? Because a king can pick anyone, right? The king, if you've ever been in a position of leadership and you realize the, the, the many people of harsh words, you're looking and longing for gracious speakers, ones who have kind words on their lips, ones who are constantly saying, it's okay, it's great, no big deal. I appreciate you. There's some kind, oh man, this is what it is. And when I think about my life, I think I need friends. And even more so, I need to be a friend. I need to be a friend. He was pure in heart, gracious in his speech. That people, when they see me coming, would go, I'm so excited, Kevin's coming. He's going to have a kind word. He's going to have some sweetness to his life, some purity. I, I, I want to be with him. This is what it is to have a good friend. If if you have friends, let me me say it this way. If you have friends, companions that that you spend time with and they're bringing up issues of perversion, 
they're speaking unkind and rough. I want to tell you, this is not the kind of friend that makes you fly. This is the kind of friends that drag you down, that pollute your life, that bring the harm that you will suffer from being with fools. The sweetness of having friends, people in your life that are pure and gracious. They're pure and gracious. In chapter 17, chapter 17, verse 17, very famous proverb that uh, you've probably heard before. God's Word says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Remember one of the kids in the youth group who had brothers, he, he would always put a question mark at the end of that. And he would say, Are brothers born for adversity? Or are they born for adversity? Um, the picture here is this, that the relationship that we should seek and have and can't live without in our life it is the one who is there and will be there and will be a friend at all times, at all times. Well, what does all times include? All of them. And what are the kinds of times that there are in life? They're the kinds of times when you have a lot of money or when you don't have any money, when you're indebted. You're still a friend. It's the kind of uh, friend that you would have when you're, you're super joyful and good things have come to your life. But the uh, other times when you're super grouchy and depressed, you're a drag to be with. That's the friendship that we're talking about here. And to be honest, it's exemplified in Christ, right? That he is not one who is a fair-weathered friend. He, he doesn't uh, take his salvation and give it to you and then take it away and then give it to you and then take it away. He says, up, oh, you're grouchy and ungrateful. You're not my child anymore. We're not friends anymore. There's no forgiveness for you. I'm tired of you. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 tells us, that the picture of friendship is not one that is based upon the weather or what's going on. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I want to tell you uh, that this may go through our minds. This just may go through our minds. Where uh, we have a friend, uh, and it's fair weather, it's fair weather. It's nice out and things are great and their life's going great and our life's going great and everything's great. And then their life falls apart and you go, I don't know if I can handle this. I, I, I don't know. Uh, there, there's a divorce in their family and they're crying all the time. I, I just, I get so depressed. And so maybe I don't want to jump in on that. They've got an illness and, you know, I, I'm good at bringing a pot of soup once but it's going on a lot longer. I don't know if I should be involved. I feel like it's kind of hard, too hard for me. 
Maybe for you, uh, it may be a death in their family and you go, oh, I just can't relate. You know, we used to be friends, but it's just too hard for me. I, you know, I'm going to pull back. When I tell you, Proverbs tells us a friend loves at all times, at all times. And a brother is born for adversity, meaning this is my day. When your friend, the ones you're committed to, the ones that God has placed in your life for you to be this for, when they get sick, you go, that's my bell. That's my time. When they go through a tragedy, you jump in. You jump in. You say, well, I don't know what to say. And I don't want join the club. Join the club. I'm a pastor who never knows what he's talking about. Doesn't know what to say. Doesn't have the right words. But I know this, that that God has called his people to be there on those days. That's what it is to be part of one another. Friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 6, it tells us this. <clears throat> This is one of the ones I was sharing with you earlier, foretelling uh, about. And, uh, Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. And we look at that, and we, we, we want to say, well, that's just the way it is, but it's not right. But it's not right. Um, think about who Solomon was sharing this with. He was sharing it with his son. And... The picture here is generosity, the giving of gifts. And I want to ask you a question. Is it good to be generous and give gifts? Some of you are struggling with this. If I said it a different way, is it good to know someone who's generous and give gifts? You'd say, yes, I love gifts. Do you love gifts? Some of, you, some of you aren't with me right here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to slow down until you catch up, okay? You do love gifts. You love them. You love the kindness. You love generosity. You know what's interesting? Even if you have a lot of money and someone's kind and generous to you, you love it. You love it. It's winsome. It's, it's something that, that draws you to them. You say, oh, they were, they were kind. And w- what is the tendency for those of us who are rich and poor? Meaning everybody. The tendency is for us to say, what's the least amount I can give and still get my point across? <laughs> you know, how much is this going to cost me? How much can I keep for myself? And, and Solomon tells his son, and God tells us, that the picture of generosity, of you giving, uh, of you saying, it's no longer mine, I want to bless you, that's what we should be. That that's something that, that defines and gains friendship. Why? Because it's someone saying, I'm not going to grab for myself. This isn't about what's best for me. It's what's best for you. The idea of giving. I think sometimes uh, we love being conservative and we love to be um, thought out and we love math. 
that we forget to be generous. We forget to be givers and realize that true friendship is greater than the finances that we could hold. A couple more. In chapter 18, verse 4, 4, 24, I'm sorry. 18, verse 24. And um, once again, it's the word companion um, listed next to a true friend. In verse 24, it says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friends are sticky. Friends are sticky. Um, if you have a friend for any uh, amount of time, guess what's going to happen? You're going to offend them and they're going to offend you. There's a reason to separate every day of your life. But there is a friend. It is what friendship is. It's the idea of I am committed to you. And lastly, chapter 27, verse 6. I purposely uh, want to share this one last <clears throat> because um, some of you uh, love people who give you hugs, give you hugs. You want friends that give you hugs. And some of them are physical hugs. You know, you're Olaf and you love hugs or something like that. Um <clears throat> You like people to pat you on the back. You like to tell a story and people laugh or uh, are in awe of how brilliant you are. And I think all of us love this. We love it when people agree with us. But God's Word tells us something very unique. And this is, I think, which separates what friendship is to God from what friendship is in our culture, in our world, and maybe to us. In verse 6, it says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are kisses of an enemy. Uh, the, the picture here is that some of your enemies, to get their way, to get your affections, to get what they want, they will hug and kiss and they will say whatever you want them to say. But he says this about a friend. He says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I want to tell you that if your friends... If you have friendship that has no sense of challenge and correction and even hurt to it, that's not what God wants in your friendship. It's a picture of correction. It's a picture of a friend saying, get back on the track. And even to the point of saying, I'll hurt you if you don't get on the, uh, back on the track. I'm willing to speak to you in a way that hurts you if it's for your good. I want to tell you, I don't see that very often at Bear Valley Church. I don't see it very often. I don't think it's unique to us. I think it's just where we are as a culture. And some of you say, well, I love speaking unkindly to people. You know, it's my spiritual gift. That's not what we're talking about here. We kind of bookend this, remember? The, the, the first passage we went over was the idea who, of a friend who comes with earnest counsel. 
And we end with the idea of these faithful wounds of a friend. It's not that they're being unkind in wounding you, but they're willing to say, willing to say things that you won't like. And I want to tell you, these are the kind of friends you need. You need. You should look for them. You should test them. You should say, will you say things that I need to hear? A couple of things just in closing. First of all, who are your friends? Who are your friends? In, in your mind, you should be able to list them. Three to five. Three or five people. And then ask out of those three to five people, go through them. Are, are they the kind of friends uh, you need to be done with? They drag you down? Or are they the kind of friends that you can't live without? You can't live without. And then thirdly, I want to ask you this. What kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you? Are there people in your lives that you're committed to like this? In, in those relationships with those three to five people, what are you doing from for them? Are you ones that are just sucking them dry? Or, or are you ones that are making them fly? Are you, are you causing them to be greater? This is what God wants us to be in his body. We want to have relationships with one another that point others to Jesus. Let's pray. And God, thank you for this morning. I ask that your words would continue to uh, be ready in our heart and our lives. They'd be shaping us. God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the blessing of being before it. Help us to see this clearly that we might walk with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.